Good morning, and welcome to Pay It Forward's podcast, Help Yourself by Helping Others. Today's topic is cybersecurity, also known as computer security or IT security. My name is Sherry, and I will be your moderator. And I am joined today by Mitchell Morton, who's also a member of Pay It Forward. And we're happy to have a guest, uh, Randolph Hall, who is a software engineer and our subject matter expert for today. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. So our first slide is just providing a definition of cybersecurity. Uh, Mitchell, would you like to kick us off? Sure, just reading from the slide, um, cybersecurity refers to the practice protecting computer systems, networks, and data from unauthorized use, disclosure, and disruption, modification, and destruction. That right there sums it up. You know, it's it, it protecting your um, your assets and your identity and all your information on your computer from outside sources. Absolutely. And it encompasses a, a wide range of uh, techniques. But first, we're going to talk about some of the type of threats uh, that cybersecurity uh, invo is involved in protecting us from. So our first slide, as it says, um, will illustrate some of what those examples of threats are. And um, we will start with the first one that mentions some of them here. There are four, four bullet points, malware, phishing, uh, DDoS, and insider threats. Uh, Randy, do you uh, are you familiar with any of these types of threats? Yeah, so malware is the kind of uh, threats you're mostly gonna face if you're downloading downloading things, putting things onto your computer from outside sources. Mm. Um, usually you won't get them unless it's in a reputable source. So like think downloading videos or, you know, games and things such as that. And without the proper malware security, like malware bytes or something like that, they can, they can slowly do a lot of damage to not only a computer, but the information that you house on it, you know, whatever that may be. Um, it can find ways to just simply take over your stuff put more ads on your stuff, watch your stuff, lock things, make you pay money to, you know, have it freed. Uh, phishing is a more, I would say, juvenile form of, like, computer system threat. It's uh, essentially, like, let's say you would log on to Facebook, but if somebody's phishing, they're going to make a replicated site that is supposed to look as much like the Facebook site login as possible. Now, there's always going to be some things that are, you know, a little bit awry for it, and, you know, with computer literacy, you have an easier time noticing phishing schemes. It particularly takes effect in the older generations and the youngers who uh, don't particularly have that level of literacy, but you literally hand them your, you know, password right up front. And uh, I mean, that can cause all sorts of problems with, you know, your identity being stolen, your credit card information being stolen, if it's attached to the site or anything such as that. So um, it can be very dangerous, but it's also one of the easier ones to escape. Now, DDoS attacks, DDoS attacks are much more sophisticated and you're going to find them more against companies and mm. things that are like structured, things that have networks, things that have, you know, server systems and things like that. You're going to see it a lot in, say, uh, video games like uh, large companies such as Blizzard might get attacked or you might see it in something such as like the Department of Defense or something like that causing issues such as a DDoS attack. And they're very annoying. They'll take this, whatever they're like DDoSing down for anywhere from hours to hours, B 
because essentially what they do is they just flood it with traffic from multiple sources, essentially making it so it can't work because it's just being bombarded. You know, it's like a it's like a road with too many cars on it. They don't go anywhere because it's just so much there, right? Wow. And insider threats are a different complexity because essentially they're on the ground, right? If somebody walks into a server room and plugs in their USB or, you know, they jack in and they can do whatever they particularly want. It's a it's an issue only solvable by actual physical security, you know, locked doors, proper uh, personnel, like credentials and things like that. Um, but they all can be very dangerous. I will not deny it. They all can be very dangerous, but they're all defendable against. Thank you, Randy. And I want, must say, uh, with the phishing, I have uh, been attacked by by those. Mm -hmm. And while you say they are, you know, not as sophisticated, you know, for people who are not uh, literate, it's there. Mm -hmm. They can be very deceptive. Uh, I they know in be. particular Best Buy, I must say. Yeah. And um, what is the company they use for defense and stuff like that? I can't remember the name of it. Um, but they, I have gotten emails from them where like, I'm told my account, it's now a certain amount of money and it's a, mm -hmm. a, a ridiculous mm -hmm. amount of money forcing you to call. And when you call, they actually have this. They, yeah, they seem as legitimate account. as possible. Yes, they ask for your bank account so you they can send you a refund. And I'm sure, like you said, people who are not literate, a senior citizen or something like that, would turn over that information. But, you sure. know, just with a little bit of care, not rushing, not panicking, because if I, when I looked at the email, it's clearly not a legitimate yeah. return email address. And even, mm -hmm. um, you know, some of the, the wording seems suspicious. suspicious. So you do have yeah. to, you know, really, um, you know, take your time, look at them, and before just, and certainly never hand out your bank account information. For sure. <laughs> you know, take a check at the URL because the URL is yeah. usually going to be sponged just slightly. There may be a misspelling yeah. here or an extra letter here, or they maybe use a different domain. Right. Or maybe there's a one in the, you know, World Wide Web section. So things like that are also good indicators. And phishing, what, the only reason I call it primitive is because as a software engineer, I learned how to do fishing probably in middle school not to say that i would it's right. just simply like a um because we'll even go through it in here there's a thing called ethical hacking and even in like younger grade school it's something that they try and teach like you'll have white hacking competitions penetrating text stuff like that to because there's there's two sides to this the same way as you know for every thief there's a security guard for every you know cybersecurity specialist there's a hacker and they're both basically doing the same things but from different sides right <laughs> yeah. yes and in terms of insider threats you know a lot of this happens when you take your equipment and be repaired um, yeah. you have to be very careful because you're giving someone access um, to your computer to where they can put devices in, they could copy codes and such. And um, you're no more, yeah, you're no more vulnerable than when your hard drive is in the hands of another person, because yes. at that particular point in time, they have everything they need. Um, you can, if I walked into a room and you thought you had the most secure computer in the world, you had, you know, a 28 character password, it uses sentences, it's hyphenated, it uses every every like thing you could do to develop a high encryption password right mm -hmm. if i have a flash drive that's capable of say 
booting up a different operating system, I can get into there anyways. And then I can use other forms of like cybersecurity and coding and things like that to break further into your system and get that data. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, so please be aware, you know, if anyone touches your equipment, uh, it's a liability and you're vulnerable. Right. Oh, and I did think of it. It's Geek Squad. That's why yeah. I was trying to think of. Yeah. And I did, you know, another good thing is to, to report it. I did report it to Best Buy to make them aware, but yes. So there are certainly more threats. <laughs> we have uh, password attacks, man in the middle, which I was not familiar with, SQL injection. These are all above my pay grade. And zero day exploits. I don't know if any of these mean anything to you, Randy. <laughs> yeah. So all of these make total sense to me. So um, one of the things about password attacks is there's several different kinds. One of the most usual kind you're gonna see is something called brute force hacking, um, which is essentially a script written to generate password after password after password and like check it with the ability to enter in the system, right? So the more simple your password becomes, the less time it would take for a brute force to hack it, right? If your password is one word followed by two letters, it's it's going to be found out relatively quickly. You know what I'm saying? If it's uh, if it's a full sentence, um, and then even then after that, it uses some level of codexing, it'll be it'll take longer. It'll take longer and longer the more complicated your password becomes. Um, but even then, when people are truly doing password hacks, like really active hackers, especially if you're a person with a substantial amount of wealth or information, um, they'll also do it on a more physical board. They'll go on your Facebook, they'll find out your favorite dog, they'll find out your favorite color, they'll find out your favorite food, and they'll put those keywords into their brute force hack to try and kind of speed it up a little bit. You know what I mean? If they find out your favorite dogs or your dog's name is Spot, they might say, you know, try a bunch of combinations with Spot because, you know, there's there's some certain uh, ideology behind password creation where humans aren't naturally that creative with their password, mostly just because you also have to remember it. Um, there's some ways around that. You can use password vaults. Um, writing down your password has its own problems because once again, you know, if they come in, but like, you know, there's there's layers to ways to protect yourself. They make a lot of there's a lot of cybersecurity companies that work with a good yeah, password. Give you what um, something I use, Randy. You can tell me if it's good or not. Is I take a word and then I may interchange a letter for the number where it stands on the alphabet. Yeah, yeah. So things like that are really great. And one of one of the things it depends on who you ask as to like their password security. My particular favorite thing is full sentences, right? Instead of, you know, spot 54, it's a uh, spot like, you know, just because of how much more effort it is to generate a sentence that a computer understands versus just a keyword. Because in I'm software sorry. engineering itself, it uses a lot of keywords. Excuse me, you can keep talking, I'll be right back. Sure. Mm -hmm. And yeah, man in the middle isn't, it, it's definitely a thing because it's more of like an intercept, inter interception of uh, like uh, uh, information. So you're going to see that a lot more in like espionage levels and like business to business kind of things, areas where the information is pretty relevant, right? Well, I know you can see other things on public networks and, and you know, networks that are, are not true. Secure. True. But would you be able yeah. to access if it's, the other person's information 
via their uh, IP address? Yeah, I mean, that also depends on end-to-end -end encryption. And um, if you're talking on a channel without end-to-end -end encryption, something like man becomes way more like a viable way to steal information, right? The, um, the web is a pretty open source place anyways, right? Like if you're not using, I believe, I can't even remember the name, Signal, right? Like Signal's one that would be hard to do a man in the middle kind of thing too, right? But say like Google Hangouts might not be as complicated, right? And uh, SQL injections are basically to exploit like web applications, right? So SQL is another, is a type of databasing, right? You can use SQL, MySQL. There's like five others now. They get more and more impressive with more AI generation and more things like that. But um, it essentially like can get in, give you a data. Like let's say you work at a bank and the bank has most of their databases in SQL, right? In their SQL database, it's going to be their, your name, your first name, your last name. It's going to be something like your social security number. It's going to be stuff like your, you know, bank account information. Um, depending upon the uh, third of the banking company to work with, might have, you know, transaction histories and like uh, AI generated thoughts of like what you may or may not want to, things like that, right? Because data is really powerful in our country. And so giving them the ability to like, you might see SQL injections being the reason for like JP Morgan hacks and things like that, right? Um, and then zero day exploits are also pretty popular. And my best recommendation to that is anything that high levels of necessary, like high, like that you need to be very secure, you may not want to take day one. Like, uh, for instance, when Windows 7 became Windows 10, right? Uh, I remember I upgraded, and on day one, I got hacked extremely bad. Like, it was, I was fighting against that attack for, like, I don't know, maybe two hours. They got in my bank. It was a horrible yeah. situation, right? But oh, that was mostly just because there was a moment in between where I switched from 7 to securing 10 that I was just without defenses, and if anybody is particularly trying to attack them, that is, it's like the weakest moment. You know what I mean? It's like your armor just like fell off in a certain point and they just went straight for it. So those are things like that. And I think that part of the zero day exploits has to do with the economics of software to where a lot of companies are rushing yeah. software to the market instead of doing more and more testing. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the less yeah. stuff you Software do. Software comes you know, out way different than it used to before. And day one could be pretty volatile. Yeah, yeah I could, you could say that about every company. You could, uh, you could look at Adobe and most of their, uh, most of their suite, right? Uh, they'll re they release their cloud services near as soon as they could make it happen, right? You could look at almost anything in the gaming community is released probably five to six months before it should, um, mostly just because the ideology of we'll make it better as it goes on because we're no longer selling a product, we're selling a service. And that that changes the ideology entirely. Like back in the day of like Nintendo 64 and like, you know, Windows 98, you weren't really selling a service because once you had it, you had it. There wasn't really anything else. If you wanted another one, you would have to wait until another year or so later, right? 
now like push updates. So you buy something and you're like, we're gonna get this going for 15, 20 years. And that does cause some problems, especially on the zero day exploit stuff before they get everything fully treated, which can take three or five months generally. Well, Randy, you've made me more nervous than I was before, but thank you for all that information. And I'm <laughs> we're not done. There are actually other threats mm. that we've addressed in this uh, presentation, and I know we didn't cover them all. Yeah. Uh, there are a few more, four more to be exact. Um, yeah. The hackers are creative people, and they... Ransomware. Yeah, because uh, most of the other ones that are on the page mm -hmm. are uh, fairly complicated. Mine is social engineering, because to me, social engineering hackers are very similar to just general, like general earthly, you know, hackers of a way. Hacking is more just a term of exploiting, right? You can exploit people just as much as you can exploit a computer, just as much as you can exploit a system. Mm -hmm. And engineering they they're using techniques like impersonation pretexting baiting quid pro like all of these things that you could just use on a human to human basis but then they use it to attack sensitive information right mm -hmm. like it was it was also in reliance to uh when i was talking about like phishing and password hacking right social yeah. engineering is a tool one can use on top of almost every other variant form of hacking or a security threat so that's a thing to take in. Um, advanced persistent threats. Uh, usually, like advanced persistent threats, I've got to say it's usually like a team doing it. It's like a, it's like an around the clock effort, right? It's like mm -hmm. guys and gals constantly trying to, you know, attack something. It almost feels like a war for the other side, right? These people who are having their firewalls constantly bombarded. DFX, just like one thing it's just it armor, right? So it's really just like an encompassing term of being heavily tapped, right? Right. Ransomware, on the other hand, ransomware is uh I'm not gonna say it doesn't affect the layman, but um where it's truly dangerous is uh companies that need to be active, right? You know, the companies that lose money every day if they're not running. And there's so many examples, right? Like there was the pipeline hack in Virginia and like any power grid would be susceptible to this. Any mm. company, like even Amazon could be susceptible to strong ransomware. If somebody could actually pull down their system, but I doubt it because of how decentralized Amazon is in the first place. And decentralizing is actually a great way for a company to be able to defend themselves from more attacks. If you rely only a certain percent, I don't like attack right if you get ransomware and only seven percent of your information is in any one location they can't wow. get like they can't just like hemorrhage you at the knee like there's you have some some control but uh crypto jacking is something that i'm less uh understanding of only because when i was particularly doing my schooling crypto wasn't super huge and nor was the idea of theft in it hmm. but um you know, there was an like there's been a couple eras in the past five, six years where crypto has just been blasting. And um, crypto wallets are considered some of the more encrypted and most like most defended things. Uh, but uh, 
even with that, if they can find a way in, crypto is designed in a way that if they did take, have almost no argument back. So it's mm. be it's, be very careful with your crypto wallet passwords. You know, be very careful with who you trust. You know, with your crypto wallet, do your research on the companies that do it. Like that's the best that I can say because I'm not saying that crypto is going away, and I'm not saying that it's not relatively secure. It's just you know, don't trust bad actors is my best, right. you know, answer to crypto jacking. Well, I do remember as far as the ransomware, several uh, municipalities were struck, weren't they? And and several of them ended yeah. up paying yeah. the uh, attackers the, the money they demanded to get their stuff back. And I remember many years ago. There's almost ago, no way out of paying. Right. My husband's company, somebody mm. literally just clicked an email they shouldn't have clicked. <laughs> and next yeah. thing you know, it they can got, happen straight from an email. Right. And they got yeah. um, they were held up for ransom. Um, yeah. A small construction company. Uh, and as a business, you're forced with a very difficult decision, because if you don't pay, you have to essentially start from ground zero and build your software back. Right. Whatever software you were using, whatever things you were doing, whatever things you had housed, it's gone. It's under ransom. It's all locked away. So if you were. To restart, you'd have to do that off one. I will say that as a company, or even not as a company, but as a general like thing to do, um, build like build dates aren't a bad thing. So like if you're like, okay, so my computer, I'll save everything that I had done on it um, from last month, and I'll put it in a little image, and I'll put it over in this corner, and I'll you know tuck it away, right? Or maybe I'll actually put it on a CD and keep it physical, right? And then if they do ransom your software, essentially what you do is you say, fine have it i'll just go back two weeks and uh you know load my old build you do that lost immediately whoever's trying to ransom you because you already prepared for such an occasion well that's actually what happened they did not pay the ransom uh they used mm -hmm. they had you know everything backed up uh, externally from like actually that i think it was just the day or two days before so yeah yeah for sure the better your system yeah, the, the, you know, the better your backup should be. But even one a couple weeks old for, you know, just a layman is still better than nothing. Right. I mean, but at the same time, you know, people take losses. And if they're when they attack big companies, then like the margins that they're going for can be very big numbers. And yeah. so it's hard to do the math. But those yeah. are things you can do to protect yourself. And I mean, and that's what cybersecurity is, is how to protect yourself the same way as if you owned a home and you protected your home, you know, like dogs, cameras, anything such as that. It's just it's just an effort to protect yourself because everybody out, not everybody out here, but there are particular people out here that don't care if it's yours. They just want theirs, you know? Yeah, you're right. So um, there are certain people uh within our world who are a little more vulnerable to cybersecurity threats uh, mitchell would you like to uh, mention some of those populations sure you know this this is true for a lot of terms of, of who can be easily influenced in general um is that criminals marketers <laughs> you know they, they play on, on the weak or the gone or the uh, you know or the gullible um you look at the children and teenagers uh they're, they're they have They've yet to develop full judgment, so they're going to be quicker to click on different things and try different things out. Um, so things are planted 
for them to accidentally click or click here, click there. Um, there there's things that will, that will give them uh, false hope. Um, there, there's incentives to where they may believe, you know, you know nothing is sometimes something that's too good to be true. They're, they're easily fall for that. I think when you look at older adults, um, it's something very similar, but there's a bit of confusion involved. So like with the fishing, it, it's a little bit easier to show them something that's very close to original and they'll go all the way through with it. Mm. Um, and that's sad. That's probably one of the larger demographics of scams in general. Yeah. And yeah. it's some of the more elementary scams because it is just copycat usually. I completely agree. It's also the psychology of it, right? Yes, yes. And, you know, I, and both of those populations that Mitchell just mentioned, uh, you know, kind of fall under the third bullet with individuals limited digital, digital uh, literacy. literacy. You know, they just, they don't, they're, well, they think the best of people a lot of times. They don't realize that there's bad actors, as you call them, out there. Mm. And, you know, a lot, oftentimes they're lonely, especially the older adults, you know, they're lonely. Mm. And so they're, they're, they're happy to make a connection and they don't realize that, you know, they're yeah. being taken emotion. of. Yeah, they're yeah. willing to suspend that disbelief yes. of, you know, the way that people can be. But, and I... And there's only so much you can do about that, but it's also, it's it's just important to teach, you mm -hmm. know, because if you know these things, you'll just be better off, right? Like a child or teenager can be taught right. what the internet is. An older person can be expressed to where the dangers of the internet are. Mm -hmm. A person with limited digital literacy, some place maybe they're from an area where internet just isn't super prevalent, right? Like they're from a very rural area. So their internet experiences is, is slim in the first place. They can also be taught. And if given the opportunity, they can teach themselves because as much as it sounds, it's not as complicated. It's not as complicated as it sounds because the very first step of cybersecurity is like understanding people, right? Like, if you go to a yeah if you go to a dangerous place you're supposed to know how to behave in that area you yes. know what i mean maybe you bring a second wallet maybe instead of putting your wallet in your back pocket you put it in your side pocket maybe you don't go any dark alleys right it's mm -hmm. it's the same general principle of just how to defend yourself on this you know giant scape of the web right Yes. And small businesses and startups can also be vulnerable because they yeah. typically don't have staff, you know, or yeah. robust security measures. Yeah. And um, we also, uh, there are other uh, vulnerable populations that we've mentioned here. Again, small businesses and startups for the same reason that they don't, maybe don't have a dedicated IT staff or the security uh, resources. Mm -hmm. And we've already talked about government and public sector organizations being attacked. I mean, yeah. I, I think it's, isn't it uh, true that it's kind of like a, uh, uh, you get a gold star if you're a hacker and you can, you know, get into mm -hmm. the Department of Defense or yeah. into the There is definitely a, I don't know how much people do it now, but back in the, like, back in the day, it was, it was very common for somebody to get a job being a good ethical or non-ethical hacker by doing something noteworthy and mm. using that as their resume. Interesting, um, wow. Nowadays, uh, espionage is done entirely online, right? Mm -hmm. There is a constant battle between all of the superpowers 
I'll be at Russia, I'll be at China, I'll be at America, and anybody else who can play this game, where they're constantly trying to get information that way, right? Mm -hmm. People uh, accuse TikTok of being able to be uh, subjugated in a way to allow their country to use it, and you know, as a threat. Um, China has been drumming up their uh, cyber espionage for a while now. So is Russia. There was even accused like accusations of. Um, uh, Russia trifling with uh, our election system. So yes, yes. All of these things are, and even that uh, pipeline attack in Virginia was done via Russian soil. Russia never said, you know, that they had any particular thing to do with it. But you know, it's more just that you don't have to be in the country to want to attack a country. Right. Right. And that's very nonprofit organizations are a big one too. Uh, right. They're, they're seen as weak in the overall system, mm-hmm. um, not particularly because they are, but just simply because they, they, they still have a wide reach without having the same level of power as large companies who have to defend their wares. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. that's the thing. And then high profile individuals at the very last are also, I mean, they have to be on it all the time because you'll you'll like you'll even be able to notice it just as a as an american who's generally becoming more wealthy let's say you know at one point you're making $40,000 and now you're making $90,000 you'll immediately notice the difference you'll immediately notice you're getting more phishing schemes more people attacking your emails more things such as that because information is just readily out there mm. they're going to it's not it's not complicated to figure out how much some how much money somebody has or makes using deductive reasoning. You could look at the house they own, the car they drive, where they have a bank account, how much money they have, right? Those kind of things make you more of a target, especially become more of a target, the more high profile you become and the lower your computer literacy is. And then I'm I'm sure many, 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 many famous people have had to learn that the hard way over the course of years. Yeah. Um, And, you know, for them, all I can say is they have to be even better than the layman in terms of taking care of themselves. Because if you are high profile, you've already earned you know, the acclaim, the fame, the money to put you in this position where you're, of course, going to be more attacked. It just, you know, it's society. A thief doesn't want to steal from the poor. They want to steal from the rich. Robin Hood made that. <laughs> but... At the same time, that doesn't mean they didn't earn their money, that they don't deserve their money, and that they shouldn't work to protect it. It's just a little bit more effort for them. There are people that I would even consider, hey, maybe you should pay somebody to have a security team for you and protect you when you need it. Right. They uh, have bodyguards, so they should also have cybersecurity guards. I agree. Exactly. Especially if they live like a portion of it online, if they're Twitter heavy, if they're, you know, that kind of thing, then yes, they should definitely be having people to help defend them. Right. And then finally, uh, well, in continuing, there are some steps that parents can uh, take to help protect their children and teenagers um, from threats. And these are just some of the ones that uh, we've highlighted here, as you mentioned, uh, Randy, you know, educating and communicating uh, what the risks may be, setting guidelines and establishing rules, uh, parental controls, teach responsible social media use, critical thinking, 
uh, supervise online activities, encourage strong passwords and account security, stay informed about the latest trends and threats, and lead by example. Uh, do yeah. any of these uh, stick out to you? I'm particularly curious about the parental controls. I mean, yeah. you know, wh where where do you draw the line? I don't know. <laughs> so people have a lot of different arguments about parental controls, and I honestly am for it, right? The reason being is uh, some people would be like, well, parental controls don't truly work, right? Like there's ways around it. And I think the argument to that is, if you are a parent and you have a child and you use parental controls and they figure out a way around it, even in that particular moment there, they are gaining a much higher level of uh, digital literacy, right? There are less things that can hold them back and there's more abilities for them to understand why it's something happening. Now they understand IP addresses. Now they understand how to move through a command prompt. These are still useful tools just in general for the you know future of digital literacy. So I've never had a problem with the right. parental controls. Um, and then the encourage strong passwords and account security, that's, that's a super big deal. You know, if you just let your kid go out and just make whatever password he wants, it'll, it'll be a while before they realize the value of a password. They probably won't realize that until young adulthood. So if you can instill that in them, a little early and then that just becomes easier for them i think that just uh i think that really helps right um guidelines and i haven't learned that lesson yet <laughs> yeah I, yeah the, the password thing is hard and but it's also extremely relevant right because there's another problem is let's say you use the same password for everything somebody hacks your pizza hut they also have your you know bank account right so there's certain things that you can you know really use to help them get to a point where they won't have to deal with these problems at the same level right. that the average person does. Right. And uh, so that's, that's mo like lead by example is another one. And, and a real nice side note is for like, let's say you have to ground your kid, right? Um, my dad had this thing where he would put, so when you unplug something, you know how uh, the wide flange has a hole in the middle? Mm -hmm. He would put a padlock through it lock that and take the key. And that's just, there's no way around that unless you have another cable. So if you really need to ground somebody, that's a that's a hot tip right there. Um, and well, I think you're right. In today's world, um, you know, taking away uh, access to their devices and, you know. Oh yeah, it'll, it'll hurt there's somebody. No, it'll no hurt a child. Right. Yeah, yeah, it'll hurt a child. They will not do it twice. I promise you that. That is very true. So, um, yeah, so I think you highlighted, I mean, our audience can read the, the slide, but I think you've highlighted the major um, things that parents can do. And then we, on our next slide, we're talking about how we can help senior citizens uh, protect mm. themselves. And some of them yeah. are very similar. Um, yeah, yeah. And but I, more, I agree. Yeah, but I think in general for... Um, senior citizens, one of the uh, important ones is actually at the bottom, encourage healthy skepticism. <laughs> yes. Because uh, they are vulnerable uh, for many yeah. reasons, being lonely, yeah. just not used to the digital world, thinking the best of other people. So uh, a healthy dose of skepticism is, I think is really important for the seniors and adults or people without computer literacy. 
I wholeheartedly agree. And I feel like there's good ways to relate the skepticism to the older generation because they're from an era where our skepticism may be more born online, but their skepticism could have been from like door-to-door salesmen or, you know, things such as like, they still have a healthy skepticism already involved in life. um, But they just didn't really take it to the internet because they don't really truly understand it. And one of the major, one of the major things that you can help them understand is that the internet is entirely man-made and it's not made by one man. Any human who's capable of typing is pretty much capable of making a website and saying whatever the heck they want on it. Mm. So you you really got to cross-reference your the you know, like your own things that you know. Um, I also really appreciate that they make um, they make uh, like streamlined technology for older populations now. Um, you know, phones and computers that don't have as much yes. way to like have problems happen. If you uh, if you're particularly taking care of somebody who's a senior citizen, um, I'm not an Apple technology person, but I recommend it for them just because of the ease of use and the higher levels of security um, or a specific like elder care type thing. Um, and even with that, it'll still give them all the things that you know most you know, elder society use uh, computers for, which is going to be things like Facebook and YouTube and see their kids and look at pictures and stuff like that. It's entirely possible to generate a piece of technology that does everything they need to do and also offer them as few possibilities of uh, causing problems, right? And the reason I believe this more for the elder population than the younger population is the younger population still needs to know how technology works in a very encompassing way if they want to like really be like enjoy the society that we live in they need to know how to use youtube to learn anything they want you know you want to learn how to garden you want to learn how to draw you want to learn how to paint all of those things are going to be the most readily available on a platform like youtube you know Mm. what i mean yes uh and when you're an elder you're not particularly in a position where you want to learn how to draw or paint or something like that and if you do it can be done with the help of the younger generation in your family. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Instead of just letting them free fly on the internet and never know where they might end up and what problems they might cause. That's right. I know I, you know, both phone and computer for my mother. I, you know, got her a jitterbug phone that had yeah. less buttons and less uh, options. Yeah. And I did try with a computer that was basically just for email. And even yeah. that was too much uh yeah. so it didn't work but yes they do offer um you know devices specifically for uh you know seniors or people who without computer literacy who don't you know don't need to do have all the bells and whistles that you know we exactly do. and there yeah. is you know the last one says foster a supportive community you know helping an elder person in your neighborhood yeah. or you know your um grandparents and also a lot of organizations offer um, you know, classes uh, on, mm-hmm. you know, computer mm-hmm. 101, internet 101, and we would encourage people to take advantage of those. I, I 100%. Yeah, like, because it, it's, it's not overly complicated. It's just, uh, the you just have to suspend your belief in people a little bit and just deduce a little bit more yourself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like one can learn how to have significantly less problems in a few hours you know it doesn't it doesn't take that long to recognize you know the 15 threats 
that are most common and then to put yourself in a position where they don't have as much access to you, you know? Absolutely. And Okay, so yeah. we are moving on about how uh, best to secure your home computer and network. Um, there are several measures that you can take uh, and should consider implementing. And as Randy talked about uh, before, using strong and unique passwords and using a different password, which I have to admit I am guilty of not doing that. It's so, hard to have a lot of passwords. We have yes. to sign into so many things these days. Yeah, it's so right. true. And yeah, I just I don't keep a list, which I should. I don't have a password manager. Well, I do have a password manager, but I still tend to use the same. <laughs> yeah, um, the thing that might help, you know, I do myself is kind of create your own secret code hmm. with yeah. numbers, letters, and characters so that you can use maybe multiple passwords, but it's under your own personal secret code. I hmm. agree. Every, everybody should develop their own level of encryption. Um, you know, there's definitely some basic ones like one means I and at is A, but the more that you can convolute it in a way that only you understand, the stronger uh, it will get in the real world. So that's a concern. Uh, um, if I had, if I were gonna plug something, I would plug a, a browser called Brave, the Brave browser, um, only because it's password manager is really good. Um, it also has a password generator for you. So what it'll do is it'll uh, it'll create like a 32 key password that you essentially never have to remember because it's logged into the system and Brave is very good people. Um, they have all sorts of security in their browser. Their incognito uses uh, Tor as well. Like they just do a bunch for uh, security. Um, mm. So. It's a quick, it's a quick, and it's a Chromium browser too. So if you're coming from Chrome, you won't even notice a difference really, besides the fact that it's made for people a little bit better. Oh, um, yeah, because yeah. when I'm given the option to use a suggested strong password, I always decline <laughs> yeah. and put my own. <laughs> yeah, but, and I get that. I yeah. get that too. But it works. It works. But if it's it was, embedded in the, you know, when you're using this new, this other browser you know, yeah. uh, and it definitely is. Yeah. And then two factor authentication, right. Is possibly the strongest, most used way to defend something important, right? Because most people's two factor authentication is either going to be email or text, right. Unless they use an authentication program being third, uh, email is emails 50, 50. I'm not going to say it's good or bad only because emails are hackable too. It's a more hackable thing. Um, but text is extremely powerful because as humans, we almost never let our phone out of like our particular, like it, it's an extension of self. We always have our phone. Right? That's true. Um, and so now you're asking if somebody wants to hack your email, they not only have to figure out your password, um, with either a phishing scheme or some social engineering or something like that. But in, even after that step, they have to then either find a way to, uh, you know, intercept your uh, text messages or find a way to get their hands on your phone or find a way to hack your email address as well. And adding that extra step, most thieves are just going to give up at that point because the amount of work necessary past that is significantly more 
than uh, than the original step. And the keeping the software up to date is also a huge thing, right? This goes for operating systems. This goes for any program that you're working with that may have any sensitive information on it for you. Because what's constantly happening is constantly things are being attacked, all right? Microsoft is being attacked every day, thousands of times, and they're learning from the process, right? They'll be like, all right, so we have a particular weakness here, and they figure out how to close that gate, right? And then after that, they do an update, so that way everybody who's on their system is now protected from that. So the, le the less you update your operating system, the more time people find these holes, and then you're just not plugging them, right? And before right. long, let's say you forget to update for three months, there's 15 holes you could have plugged and saved yourself a much better defense. You know what right. I'm saying? So that's one. Um, and then installing antivirus software, I got to agree that it's important, but um, it's also important that you pick a good one, right? Uh, not to be particularly mean, I don't particularly like McAfee or McAfee, however you pronounce it, yes. um, mostly just because it has a lot of bloatware in it. So if you're running on a computer that doesn't have a lot of free space on it, your computer will get a lot slower just from having it on your computer. Mm -hmm. I recommend using something lightweight, you know, because really it's, it's just, it doesn't need to be a massive program to do its job. Um, I like a vast, I like it. There's so many out there and they're constantly changing every day. Um, now, that being said, if you're using Windows, uh, if you're using Windows, it has Windows Defender already on it. And Windows Defender is relatively strong. Um, if you're using Windows Defender and you were still trying to keep that defense high, the only thing I would recommend is maybe a malware program like malware bytes or something like that to really add that full protection. Okay. Um, and then, uh, yeah. No, that's about it when it comes to me and antivirus. Okay. Yeah, going back to the 2FA, uh, a common thing you might see is on social media, uh, someone could copy or take your friend's profile, and then they may tell you or ask you to help them recover their uh, their password by you getting a mech, uh, tech message, and that would actually be your code. That's how people get hacked. Um, so yeah. never, ever share that code with anyone. Um, it belongs to your account for no no reason. Um, you should have to uh, give it to anybody, friends included. Okay, good Agreed. advice. It's like your social security number. You know, there's some things that you just don't hand out because yeah, very it'll important. lead to problems yeah, down the line. Okay. And then we have a few other things that are recommended for securing your home computers and network. Um, and so we'd like to just go over those a little bit. The firewall, securing your Wi-Fi. Uh, be cautious of phishing attempts, regularly back up your data, practice safe web browsing, and educate yourself on cybersecurity best practices. Is there anything that stands out to you in particular, uh, Randy? Uh, I would say firewalls and practicing safe web browsing. Okay. Um, the reason being is people will sometimes over like, I know will uh, disengage their firewall or let things through their firewall because they'll be trying to do something. And when they're doing it, their firewall will get in the way. Now your mm -hmm. firewall may not be getting in the way just because it like you, your firewall can get in the way while you're doing legitimate things. And my answer to that is even if your firewall is getting in the way of legitimate things, 
you should first verse yourself on firewalls first, right? Like if you want to let one thing through, right? Like you play a game and you want that one game to go through your firewall, don't turn off your whole firewall. Just let that one thing through, all right? Because if you turn it off all the way, you're really weakening your defenses and you just really should try your most not to do that. Firewalls are really easy to control in every operating system, whether you're using Linux, whether you're using Windows. I actually don't know much about Apple firewall systems. They might be a bit more, you know, stringent than the rest, but they're important. So okay, that's the thing. And then uh, browsing the web safely is a huge deal. All right, no matter no matter what you want to do on the internet, there is always going to be legitimate sources to visit, and you should try your hardest to do that and a good way to practice legitimacy in safe web um edu tags are usually pretty healthy as a domain okay. uh using companies that have just huge standing you know if it's if it's a if it's a huge corporation or business they're not going to be causing you problems if you're on walmart if you're on amazon if you're on things like that you know if you're using a uh, a news service use news services you trust use news services you know that exist in real time that are common you know npr fox you know whatever whatever particular thing you're using just try and use as many noteworthy things as possible and as few things where jeb made this on his own you know what i mean <laughs> uh, they even they even make big structures for wide use things, right? You can go to Etsy, you can go to Tumblr. I mean, actually, I think Tumblr's dead, but you can go to Reddit. There's plenty of sources where you can get unique or individual information without going to somewhere shady. And just you know, keeping yourself on the right side of the internet will save you so much trouble. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think another important thing is backup. I mean, a yeah. lot of it is. Um, just part of your system i know i you know with my system i was offered you know a terabyte of free cloud storage but i also mm -hmm. like to back up on a usb and just have it in case of the world blows up or <laughs> yeah i like i i do like having some of my defense physical i i completely agree i uh i used to keep uh discs now i do flash drives mostly just because flash drive prices and disc sizes you know what i mean so absolutely and i think people have to be extra cautious of the phishing attempts this range yeah. anywhere from vacation rentals to dating sites mm. uh, social media where people impersonate your friends um moving yeah. forward with artificial intelligence um if it's too good to be true it's probably it's not too good to be true um and you have to understand that it, we're dealing with imagery that can be duplicated yeah. easily anything can look just like the normal brand it could be copied identically so yeah. and even if you bet you call someone there'd be someone on the other line pretending to be uh, yeah. you know who you think it is yeah. um so we, just be yeah. extra careful and uh never be too trusting yeah yeah we had a lot of that down here in florida you know uh people thought they were renting a, a vacation home only to come down here and realize they lost all their money and they had nowhere to stay yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so be vigilant. <laughs> um, now, here are some steps that businesses uh, should take. Um, uh, probably a little more comprehensive than a home, um, you know, uh, network. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. here are some of the steps they should take. Um, develop a cybersecurity policy, conduct regular risk assessments, 
implement access controls and privileges and main, maintain up-to-date software and patch management. Yeah. Uh, I don't think to go too much detail for the businesses, but the, the main thing is have a plan in place. Mm -hmm. yeah. And contingency plan after that. You Some know, of these. This is the battlefield for your information. Data is so important. So this should be at the forefront of every business um, yeah. moving forward. I agree. Yeah, some of these things are very critical. Like the risk assessment to me is probably less respected than it should be coming from small businesses growing into large businesses. Because like, let's say you work for the government, for instance, and now we're talking about clearance and things like that, right? One of the major things about clearances is not only trust, but also risk, right? Like, let's say you have a lot of debt or you might have, you know, a hard, like, a hard drug, any of those things where if somebody came up to you and offered you a substantial amount of money that you would be more than willing to cause, a, you know, a significant problem for the company, steal data, this, that, and the other. Um, so, you know, assessing that risk is important. Um, and another side of that risk is, uh, you know, digital literacy as much as anything else, right? Like, you were talking about somebody who answered an email and you know got hit by a phishing scheme that can happen to a whole company in a ransomware you know you can answer the wrong email at your work computer and devastate your entire company in a moment so right. you know that's that's my opinion yeah developing a plan is definitely the biggest deal right like if you if you develop a cybersecurity pol like policy all of these things should be included inside of it so right and on the next uh, um, slide, we talk a little bit more about these measures, you know, deploying firewalls and intrusion devices, use secure networks, um, conduct employee training, and regularly back up critical data. All of those are important. <laughs> and educating your employees may be, you know, uh, at the top of it, uh, because I think some people are just too um, unaware that there are bad actors out there. And like you said, one bad email can bring down a whole company's network. An entire company in a yeah. moment. And so, yeah, yeah you gotta be careful. Mm -hmm. And then finally, here are some other, uh, unfortunately we have three slides about this. <laughs> There's also uh, other things you can do, uh, an incident response plan, monitor and analyze logs, implement encryption, encryption and data protection and data protection and sometimes you do need to hire someone i think randy mentioned this yeah. earlier sometimes you know if you don't have a you know a robust it department maybe you need to think about bringing in a third party to um make sure that your company is protected and there's a lot of options out there for security companies so mm -hmm. i mean that's that in encryption and data protection is another huge deal when it comes to something like this, because if you encrypt your data to a point where even if they get it, it all looks like, like it's not legible. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If if the things you steal are not legible and then you have to spend a hundred hours de-encrypting whatever information you got, by the time you de-encrypt it, it may not be useful anymore, depending mm -hmm. upon you know the timescape of the information. So you know encryption is highly relevant and there are many companies that can do that for you as well okay 
And then finally, just as an overview, we are saying that, you know, it's very important for businesses to, you know, evaluate what they have, assess what they're doing and make sure that they have the measures in place to protect themselves um, from these threats that we just talked about. And then uh, a next slide, we're talking about government entities and uh, they do face a, a wide range of cybersecurity threats. I mean, we've heard about, I mean, Brandy and I were talking about while well, you were, I think you were off Mitchell about, you know, it used to be a thing for hackers about, you know, uh, yeah. that glory if you were able to get into the Department of Defense or into the CIA and so they are, and now talking about espionage, and you know, espionage is a now it's a lot of it is is it's online. So the government does face a lot of threats, and they're in possession of a lot of very sensitive information. Sensitive data. The NSA has the largest, um, what is it called? Warehouse, like data warehouse in the country. Like there's, oh. it's huge. It's huge. The second biggest one, I can never remember their name, but they're also in like the Nevada, Colorado area. And they're also massive. They're still big. You use golf carts to get around. But the point of that is. Those? Are there armed guards or? I yeah, there is physical security. There are mm -hmm. walls. There are gates. There are cards that you have to scan to move mm -hmm. between rooms. It is, it is top security. Those people most likely have high level. Well, in the NSA, of course they do. They have to have the highest level of security to even enter some of those rooms. So. Right. right. And you have to keep in mind that these attacks aren't necessarily government to government. They can also be government to public, where you yeah. see where social media itself can be tapped by foreign governments and, mm -hmm. and vice versa to influence yeah. and cause. Misinformation campaigns. Oh, for sure. Mutation I mean, of I, data. Right. I mean, as you that's actually shown on the second slide disinformation i mean i think we all uh you know yeah. are familiar with that now in the recent political landscape <laughs> it's a it's a powerful tool so you yeah. got to respect it where it is right supply so, chains attacks are brutal as 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 far as it can be concerned yeah. not to say that it's used as heavily like it's it's what i would think would be the most destructive thing one country could do to another is disrupted supply chain mm. because it affects everybody involved. You know, even when like egg prices got high, I'm not saying that that was, you know, product was, a, you know, a supply chain attack, but like those things have wide reaching impacts in ways that one might not always see. Right. Very true. Uh, so. Yep, we need to protect uh, supply chains, our national security, all of it. <laughs> so uh, we mentioned that in some cases it's wise to hire a third party uh, cybersecurity company to um, really make your uh, cybersecurity systems robust. And here are some of the um, services that they do offer. Um, consulting, you know, they can just review what you have in place and make recommendations. They can actually, you know, involve um, bringing them up on board and monitoring your system. Uh, they can do threat intelligence, penetration testing, security software and tools. Uh, they can do identity and access management. Uh, they can do data protection and encryption, like Randy was mentioning, security awareness training, incident response and forensics. 
and uh, compliance and regulatory support. You know, some of this, especially I noticed with HIPAA is noted there, which is, you know, critical uh, for any hospital or doctor's office. And then the PCI, you know, for anyone processing credit card information. So they do offer a lot of valuable services. Uh, Randy, are you familiar with any uh, cybersecurity companies in your line of work? Uh, most of where I work, we do it in-house. We do pay uh, for penetration testing. Um, and we use a couple of other tools, but I can't think of their name off the top. Even though we use their tools, we more purchase their software and use it ourselves rather than having another company overarchingly do it for us, right. which totally works. It's just the company that I work for is already very much into IT systems in the first place, so they just wouldn't outsource that right? because it's what they do. Um, pen testing is pretty important. I would say that almost any bank or any financial institution pays for pen testing, and it's essentially just saying, hey, I want you to hack me, and if you get in, tell me exactly how you got in so we can fix okay. it. Um, and I mean, it's a great tool because it essentially lets them find the chinks in their armor and cover it up. Um, yeah, that's anybody can important. use it. <laughs> yeah, Especially but it would help anybody. Banking. Yeah, banking and exactly. medical. Yeah. yeah. So pen testing to me, as far as like computer literacy is involved is probably one of the more important things on this list, especially after you had it already set up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Even other uh, cybersecurity companies that do like the whole kit and caboodle, like, you know, the all encompassing thing will also pay like other cybersecurity companies to do pen testing on them as well. And back mm. and like vice versa, just so that way, you know, right. they're keeping their eyes open as to all the threats possible. Yeah, but yeah, I would say we use security software and tools. I just can't think of any of the software off the top of my head because by the point in time you get those softwares, they're not really named after the company. They're more named after what they do mm -hmm. and then maybe have like some initials with it. So, well, and the um, threats are always changing. So, <laughs> and the threats are always changing. This is a constantly evolving world. Right. Um, you know, and it, it grows so vastly so quickly. And, you know, it could be true that, you know, five years from now, this conversation becomes moot just by the development of AI. You know, mm. AI may start to be able to do a thing where it can self-sufficiently defend itself. But even if that were to be a case, we'd also have to debate if we even want a world where AI is that strong. So... Well, it's so funny you just mentioned that, Randy, because look at mm. what our next slide says. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a ball. <laughs> that was a good segue because uh, we are, there are pros and cons to everything. And here are some of the pros, if you will, or the ways that AI can aid uh, cybersecurity. Um, and, and for our audience, uh, obviously, AI is artificial intelligence, and it can help in security threats and defending against them. And here are some of the ways. Uh, threat yeah. detection and analysis, malware detection, user behavior, behavior analysis, I thought was very interesting, because their algorithms can start, you know, get a baseline for normal behavior and identify when there's deviation. So I find yeah. I thought that was very interesting. Uh, security automation and response, phishing and fraud detection, 
network and perimeter security, vulnerability management. I thought that was also uh, interesting and security analytics and threat intelligence. <coughs> Do either of you have any comments on the benefits of AI in cybersecurity? Yeah, I mean, overall with AI being able to detect fraud will kind of help get away from depending or taking advantage of the human emotion. I was actually going to make the exact same comment. I think that's probably the strongest point to make for AI is the fact that it could defeat phishing so well. Right. Takes away the human right element, right? Nah. Okay, well, these are uh, uh, obviously some of the ways it, it can benefit, but there's also downsides. So um, AI can also aid scammers and hackers mm -hmm. uh, in their malicious activities. And some of the ways they do that are automated hacking, um, weaponizing AI-based tools, evading detection, AI-powered social engineering, and AI-assisted reconnaissance. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not familiar with really uh, any of this, but uh, I guess it's important to recognize that AI, like any tool, can be misused. There's always people looking to use things for bad instead of for good. And um, organizations and security professionals are, are actively working on developing AI algorithms and systems to detect and mitigate AI-driven attacks. So uh, just even before AI, there's always been the battle, right, between the good and yeah. the evil, and the attackers yeah. and the defenders. So uh, it, you know, it just it doesn't, doesn't change, but so much. Yeah. But it also it goes to the same way as it all is. Whoever is ahead, and and they and they all all inch forward ahead of each other, bit by bit, in this <laughs> constant struggle. But uh, automated attacks are probably the most powerful thing on the side of offensive AI. Mostly just because humans need sleep, food, water, and time. You know, they can't just hack 24 7. Mm. Whereas if you have an AI just launching attack after attack after attack after attack, uh, I mean, war of attrition, they may win out in the long game, especially if it's a strong system. Mm. Um, that's, that's my biggest like con to it is how effective it might be at just waging large-scale internet war that makes sense yes i hadn't considered yeah. that yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, just... and you know some of the current capabilities what you see right now going on is that um someone can take your photo your picture and turn that into a video using your voice saying mm -hmm. whatever they want um, yeah so deep fake technology deep fake tools ai tools generators yeah. you really have to question you know everything that you see and uh, vet anyone that asks you to do anything. Right. Even if they are your friends and family that you may not and talk I have to. Have an article right here from AARP Magazine. AI gives scammers a scary, a new, scary tool. new tool. Yeah. You know, there was the, you've probably heard about this, the scam where um, someone calls the grandparents. Oh, grandma, Timmy's in jail. Please don't tell my parents. You know, you need to wire this amount of money to this and, and then so I can get out of jail. Well, now AI, with just one little snippet of a person's voice, can create a whole mm -hmm. telephone conversation uh, and sound exactly like the grandchild. So there, even that 
uh, you know, age old scheme has gotten more sophisticated with the help of AI to fool, mm -hmm. you know, grandparents or, you know, relatives yeah. to part with their money. So, all right. So, uh, uh, one final slide here, online shopping tips. Uh, I know I'm very suspicious. <laughs> I, you know, mm. I have friends who buy stuff off of Facebook all the time. I, I've never done it. Uh, I just, mm. I don't, I'm too distrustful. I generally stick with, uh, you know, more legitimate uh, sites. And, mm. um, and I'm, we're also really big about keeping track of our purchases and statements. I mean, my husband looks at our mm. credit card statement all the time. Too much. Mm. I hear about everything I bought. <laughs> <laughs> I can't slide anything under the radar. <laughs> it is always, you know, best to take precautions when you're shopping online and make sure, you know, you're not divulging too much personal information. I agree. Um, I think one of a uh, cool thing you can do in current day society is open up an online bank, something with like Chime or Ally or something like that and use it more of like a prepaid system when shopping online. Since it's just a bank account touching another bank account, you could put however much your shopping budget is onto this online account and you'll get a card for it. And if it gets hacked, it has no relevance to you know the major funds that keep you going day to day. You might lose $200, but like losing $200 is different than losing your life savings. Right. Um, so that to me is an you know easy smooth way to just essentially never let them too close to the pot. Um, aside from that, everything else here is important. Uh, yeah. Be cautious of public networks. Um, I would say be more cautious of public networks the more computers you see in the area, because oh. if you're on a public network, what's essentially that saying is anybody in the area is capable of doing damage to you. Right. It's not just the whole world. Like it is it is more susceptible to like wide scale attacks, but it's even more susceptible to like localized attacks in your general vicinity mm -hmm. because you're all on the same place. It's like attacking via Bluetooth. It's too easy. That's how people steal cars. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, and if you were hacked, you may not know right away. It, you know, yeah. some people may not just go and take everything you have. They may just. Yeah. $10 here, $20 there, 50 yeah. there. They kind of test the waters out over a period of time. And sometimes they leave it. Sometimes they'll hack you and then they'll wait just time for it to like leave your mind before they actually begin their attack. So they might yeah. just leave it on your computer for two, three weeks and then be like, oh, it's time and, mm. and then hit you. Yeah, so, so, you know, like it says, keep tracking your purchases, review them. You know, see if there's anything weird or an amount you don't remember, a place you don't remember going, anything on there. And that might be evidence that you've been hacked um, before yeah. it gets to that. And you can make changes from that. Absolutely. Okay. And so uh, we come to our conclusion on, on cybersecurity. Um, as we've been saying all along, it's a critical aspect of our digital lives. And we all need to protect ourselves and our data and be careful with our online activities. Uh, the key points to remember, uh, stay informed, use strong passwords, enable multi-factor authentication, be very cautious of phishing attempts, look at the return email address, look at 
you know, the way things are spelled. Uh, there, there are, there can be clues that you are being um, fished. And keep software and devices up to date, back of your data, use secure networks and connections, be mindful of your digital footprint, you know, keep yourself educated and, you know, report incidents. Like I said, I reported Best Buy, you know, when I got that Geek Squad uh, phishing attempt. Um, that way they know, and maybe they can close, as Randy said, close that gate. Um, Right. So cybersecurity is also a shared responsibility. You know, we all need to stay vigilant and collectively contribute to a safer and more secure online ecosystem. So uh, enjoy being online. You can learn a lot, like on YouTube, like Randy said, anything you want to learn, it's out there. <laughs> uh, and look at us. We're here today joining you. Yeah. Power of the Internet. Imparting information and sharing um, all online. So it's a wonderful world out there, uh, but cybersecurity is important. Uh, any closing remarks, Randy or Mitchell? You know, just like you said, just look what, real quick before you cross the street, <laughs> especially yeah. online. You know, it's a big highway, so you want to be cautious um, and just never lose that mindset that, the, you know, it is a two-way street where there's good information, there's good people, and there's bad information, there's bad people. Yeah. And the stronger that literate people become, the less of a space there will be on the internet for the bad actors in the first place. So there, there are ways to heal the system that we work in anyways. Wonderful. Well, I uh, uh, just want to mention that Pay It Forward uh, has other episodes available and your our web, our podcast is called Help Yourself by Helping Others. And we have many educational and instructional uh, topics. Uh, we've discussed the Jones Act and shipping, uh, longevity, urban beautification, uh, dealing with difficult relationships, um, and many more. Uh, so give us a listen on Spotify, Google, YouTube, or Dystopia, and we would love to have your feedback after you've uh, viewed one or more episodes to hear what you think. And um, there are also ways to support us. Mitchell, can you uh, let us, our audience know how they can support Pay It Forward? Yeah, um, if you like what we're doing here, you can support us on Patreon. Uh, the link is right there. Um, to learn more about us, we have a website, payitforwardonline.org. And you can find us on social media uh, on Facebook. And we have a community group there with like-minded individuals that want to see the world become a better place. Absolutely. So once again, thank you uh, for joining us. And thank you, Randy and Mitchell. It was very informative, uh, very insightful. Uh, you were wonderful uh, podcast uh, guest presenters. <laughs> and until next time, thank you. Uh, remember to pay it forward. Until next time, bye-bye.